Welcome back to Nonstop Politics, I'm your host DK Leslie. The death of George Floyd on the 25th of May has brought about a moment of reckoning when it comes to race relations both in the US, UK and around the world. Now more than ever, black people are speaking out about the issue, talking about their own experiences of racism, what everyday life is like for them and discussing ways in which we can move forward to curb the systemic nature of this problem. And that's exactly what we're going to do on this podcast. I recently sat down with my friend Nathaniel Brown, a medical biochemistry student at the University of Leicester, to talk about what it means to be black in Britain. Later in the series, we'll discuss topics such as the coconut and Oreo factor, our assumptions about stop and search, and whether or not removing statues and TV shows is the best way for Britain to move forward from its colonial past. But in this episode, we reflect on the death of George Floyd, the protests that have unfolded since then, and we think about whether or not change will actually come from this movement. You can watch the full conversation on the Nonstop Politics YouTube channel. But for now, here's part one of my conversation with Nathaniel Brown. Nathaniel Brown, welcome to Nonstop Politics. Hi, glad, happy to be here finally. <laughs> good to see you. Good to, good to have you with me today. Uh, we've got so much to talk about. So much has been happening the last four or five weeks. Obviously, we're going to talk about the main theme of the podcast episode, which is what does it mean to be black in Britain? We're going to talk about issues to do with uh, racism, issues to do with how we deal with racism today, what life is like being black. But before we get to that, of course, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all if it wasn't for the tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, I'm assume, I assume you've seen the video uh, what yeah. was your initial reaction? How did you feel when you saw it? Well, um, sadly, it was, um, wasn't really indifference, but more resignation in the fact that, you know, it's something you've seen before and something you've heard about before. And obviously, it's, it was much more chilling this time to see, like, someone literally dying in front of your face and people telling someone to, you know, get off him um you know you're killing him and he's just standing there staring at the people as if you know they're the crazy ones and it's, it's tragic but um yeah it was i guess I, I don't know if apathy is the right word if it is but either way it was somewhat something you've heard about so much often it's it's kind of diminished the fact that you know you've just seen another black person unfortunately and you know needlessly killed by somebody who was supposed to be you know protecting and preventing deaths from happening so you know, it, it was definitely sad and tragic and disappointing that it's happening again and it's happened again so yeah you thought it was sad and tragic of course you were horrified by it but your first reaction was you think you already knew how things are going to play out you initially thought that nothing was going to change after this i assume not more that I knew how things were going to play out, but more that it's like when you hear on the news that, you know, another child's been, you know, kidnapped or murdered or death on the news. And, you know, whilst hearing death about death is always sad, you know, it gets to the point where hearing another story about someone getting killed on the news, you know, you don't really feel the same level of sadness each time or the same level of shock, I guess, would be the best word. And that in itself is tragic because... You know, it should be shocking that police officers, you know, have <laughs> that another police officer has 
killed another citizen of the country, regardless of race or colour, that killed another citizen of the country who didn't deserve to or shouldn't have been killed. And, you know, especially when there is in a situation where the officer had seemingly had, you know, apparently had full control of the situation, that the person wasn't a threat, he wasn't holding a gun, he wasn't in a somewhat misleading composition that the officer might have felt, you know, threatened by their, you know, for their life and felt the need to put their knee on the windpipe. It, if I'm, I believe it wasn't even the correct protocol for even, you know, um, detaining or, you know, handling, you know, a criminal in that position anyway. So he, he did the wrong thing to somebody who didn't deserve it. And, you know, once again, it said it led to another tragic death of a black person. And whilst they may not have been innocent at all, as many people in the past have been, you know, it still doesn't mean it shouldn't, it should have, it doesn't make it any less you know, tragic that it happened. Absolutely. Oh, my microphone just went for a second. There we go, we're back. Um, so I think, yeah, you're, I think that's a very interesting insight. Um, I think to your point, one of the reasons why you're probably thinking that is you're pro- you probably initially thought, well, you know, another black person's been killed by police, maybe justice won't be done. Um, and initially, I think there were feelings to that point, because of course, Derek Chauvin, who is the ex-police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck, he was initially charged with third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Um, so third degree murder is where it wasn't intentional, but once they started, um, once, once, they, once he was on his neck, he did. He had a complete disregard for life. It wasn't premeditated, but he showed a disregard for life. Yeah. That was. But then, after a bit of outcry, that was then upgraded to second degree murder. Um, so it still wasn't premeditated, but it got to the stage where he did intend to kill him. So once he began putting his knee on his neck, so I think your sense of apathy is definitely justified in those circumstances. But when you look, we're now four or five weeks on from that. When you look at the reaction from the US, the UK, and all around the world, do you think that the tide is changing? I mean, look at all the protests that have taken place. Look at all of the brands that are now addressing Black Lives Matter. The movement's had a sort of resurgence. It's The movement's about seven years old now, but it seems like it's really come back into the fore. So does oh, yeah, that definitely. bring you any comfort? It brings me some comfort because, you know, already I'm... Like when I saw it, my resignation was, I guess, like you said a bit, that nothing would happen. But it was more the fact I've seen this so many times before that it's almost, you know, like a lot of people's responses to mass shootings in the US, like you've seen it so many times before, it becomes a sort of, you know, cycle, like it's something you expect to happen and it's something you shouldn't expect to happen at all. But you're right in the sense it was also due to the fact that i felt that maybe things wouldn't you know it'd be the same thing people would make noise about it and nothing would happen and you know i feel less somewhat less so that this might be the case now but at the same time you know i feel i still hold doubts that much will change that there'll be much more i mean i still hold doubts that much you know the significant change that is needed to happen will happen because of this but it has definitely inspired a lot more awareness, a lot more support for the bomb than it did before several years ago when Black Lives Matter researched after the forgotten the name of the person who unfortunately, you know, tragically was killed by the police person in that sense. But I remember many a few years ago, a few years back, Black Lives Matter came up because of 
this seems thing happening again. And, you know, originally, initially, at the beginning of this whole protest thing, I was a bit worried that the same things would happen as well. And also worried that, I was worried from arguments on the side that people would use the lockdown as a reason to discourage people from feeling upset, like protesting about it. People would say, oh, the police officer, like, you know, all the common arguments that come up about how, you know, police officer was just doing his job or, you know, it was an accident or, you know, he was a criminal. So, you know, it, it, it's not so bad or other ridiculous arguments, really, that doesn't justify, you know, a you know, enforcer of the law killing a citizen who shouldn't have been killed and you know that that in itself the fact that i was worried about that happening again obviously fed into my resignation but this time around there has been a lot more like we said there has been much more brands on support with the message there's been a lot of you know protests in minnesota i, I believe there was even talks and they've actually agreed to defund the police as they said in some certain degrees which my opinions about it are a bit you know, I'm, I'm worried it may not be the best decision, but if they come up with a better day, I do agree that the police, you know, force probably needs to be, there needs to be definitely changes to make things better for the community, but whether or not that may have been the best idea, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it's definitely proof that, it's, it's, regardless of my opinions, I can definitely agree that it's evidence that things have changed or things are changing. And, you know, this, this will then lead into, you know, the taking down of statues and stuff and, you know, more people, like more like governments and councils and stuff actively taking down statues and yeah. you know, pictures of people who have been shown to be not as great as they, you know, somebody deserving of a statue, you know, should be. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm both confident that change will happen, but I'm also doubtful that there'll be some hiccups along the road that will either derail change or hinder it or, you know, even from the side of Black Lives Matter, like, for example, initially there was a lot of riots and stuff happening, a lot of violence going on, which I was worried would derail the whole, you know, good and justified meaning of the protests. And because, you know, regardless of how sad this is, I can't, stand, I, I can't, I don't support, I wouldn't say it's right to go around burning your own community because of, you know, life that was unjustly taken, but at the same time, I don't think it's justified to go around burning you know, yeah. community stuff, because I don't think that will actually come up with much change in itself. And it would, if anything, take away from the message and discourage people from supporting you. But, you know, I felt that we've stayed at the end of the day, you know, looking at how things are, we've stayed true to the true meaning of, you know, of really promoting what the cause should be. And I think that things may change. So I'm hopeful, but, you know, few doubts still. Exactly. And you make a really good point about um, protests and previous folks that have been killed as well. Um, a few people, Michael Brown, um, Eric Garner, have been killed in the past. Um, we had Trayvon Martin in 2012 mm, yeah, as right. well. And in terms of protests, I mean, the protests that you were talking about, they've been quite extreme, especially in the United States. Um, you've had some very, very extreme um, protests over there. I mean, had, I, really... I, I would say that it was more mixed in the sense that there were some areas which there, there were definitely, even at the beginning, there were definitely peaceful protests. Definitely. But yeah, th there was a lot of attention given to the extreme protests, but I believe not enough of the attention given to, you know, peaceful protests that were actually happening um, as well. But yeah, there were definitely, there were, wait, there were too much, because there should be none in my opinion, but there were a lot of violence and violent protests going on 
um, which you know threatens the the movement, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, um, let me put let me put a couple points to you. Let me see if I can uh, uh, make you feel a bit more optimistic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sending some optimism from you, but let me see if I can make you a little bit more optimistic about the change that could be coming. So um, we have the Minnesota case, um, which is unfolding. Uh, have you also heard about what's going on in Atlanta with a man called Rayshard Brooks? No, I have not. So Rayshard Brooks was pulled over. Um, no, he wasn't pulled over. He was found in his car asleep. And then the police knocked on his window. He was asleep. They breathalyzed him, did some checks for half an hour. They had good interactions with him and that was fine. But then they tried to handcuff him and he began to resist arrest. And um, he tried to run away. He grabbed one of the officer's tasers. Um, and then he tried to run away. And eventually one of the officers shot him and killed him in Atlanta. Now, that has obviously sparked a lot of controversy. There was even a restaurant that was burned down in protest at the fact that this could happen. And what I will tell, what I'll say to you is this. In that case, and in the Minnesota case, I think one of the things that we're seeing this time around that we haven't seen before is officers beginning to now be actually held accountable. So in the Derek Chauvin case, he's now facing three separate charges. He's facing charges of um, unintentional second-degree murder, which carries a 40-year sentence. He's facing third-degree murder, which is a 25-year sentence, and he's facing second-degree manslaughter, which is a 10-year sentence. And that is quite uh, extraordinary. In the Atlanta case, the officer that shot the African-American man, Rayshard Brooks, could actually face the death penalty if he's found guilty. So I'm thinking that this is something that where in previous cases, in the last decade or so, officers haven't been held accountable mm. to that extent. Obviously, they haven't been prosecuted as yet. Trials are still yet to go ahead. But does the news that they're beginning to be held accountable, does that give you any optimism for the future? Oh, no. Um, yeah, it, it gives me optimism in the fact that there's definitely energy moving towards holding police officers more accountable because the way the system, particularly in America, is, you know, it's particularly hard for police officers to hold either each other accountable for other facets of the law to hold other facets of the law accountable. And generally, you know, you, it, it's built on a system that police officers, just by being police officers, should be trusted to know that they're doing, be trusted that they did the right thing in a hard situation. And that trust is somewhat justified because I know. Uh, Whilst police officers are definitely, you know, many police officers are flawed, I will stand by saying that, you know, I believe the majority of police officers are just, you know, people who mean well and are put in difficult situations on a day-to-day basis and do the best that they can. And it is a hard job. Um, I've listened to stories of people, you know, from police officers, people who've known police officers who've had to be faced with, you know, in almost inconceivably impossibly, you know, difficult situations, which I myself wouldn't know what to put one put what we'll do in that situation there was even a news story about a civil rights activist who for a day was brought on to do police training and was put in an actual real police situation and then he himself a civil rights activist shot the person who was running up to him oh my god in a situation which you know similar to police officers many people would call controversial he didn't actually like real life shoot him it was like a, it was a fake training situation but like put in that situation the civil rights activist shot the person and 
you know, it doesn't at all justify, you know, police officers killing innocent people because you want to be able to trust police officers and they shouldn't, under any circumstances, be killing people who shouldn't be killed. And you know, same way somebody who was flying an airplane, you want to be able to have the security that, you know, the person who's flying the plane is saying will do what the best they can to keep you alive and won't for reasons that could have been totally avoided and because they weren't properly hacked they can't properly handle the situation, suddenly just crash the plane into the ground. Or in the same way, doctors are held accountable for incompetence during surgeries. In America, you know, being a doctor and making a mistake, you could get sued and lose your job and a lot of other things as well, even legally held accountable for your mistake, regardless of whether or not, you know, you intended to kill the person. If you're merely incompetent, that, and fairly, in my opinion, should hold you accountable because you've damaged, ruined, or possibly in some cases ended the life of somebody who shouldn't have you know been killed and you want to have the same level of accountability for police officers however you should also take into account that police officers face a lot of hardship in their jobs and you know if they should be treated much like anybody in the other situation same as you know african-american people face with police officers much like how i expect them should be treated fairly and rationally, you should treat police officers fairly rationally in that situation. So for the situation you described to me about Drayshell Brook, Brooks, um, in, in his situation, you know, I, I, you know, whilst the person was running away from police officers, so I wouldn't say it may have been the best decision for him to shoot him, you know, I feel the fact that he resisted arrest may be something you want to hold, you know, the law enforcement, you know, the court maybe want to take into account when it comes to judging what punishment he should receive but he should definitely yeah. be held accountable for that as should all police officers so it has given me optimism that that has been happening and more and the fact that even the police officer in police officer in the george floyd's case that he lost his job in situations in the past that hasn't happened before and whilst obviously there's not the most or even the bare minimum that should be done you know, it is still a step forward in the right direction. So, you know, I it, I am optimistic, as I said before, that change will happen. And already, I I I believe that change has already happened. and things will be much better than they were twenty years ago or ten years ago. But you know, we're still not there yet. And history has shown that you know it will take longer for change to happen than we may want. So. I'm, I am optimistic is basically what I'm trying to say, but nice. I, am, I am somewhat doubtful that change will happen as quickly as, you know, think it may appear. Now, picking up on your point about police accountability, I think you made very, very, um, very, very good points about um, how also think about how the, what the police are going through and make sure that we have their um, feelings um, known as well. And, from um, understand from their perspective how things are too it's interesting because there were four officers involved in the george floyd killing mm-hmm. and i think either two or three of them were only in their first week on the job so the argument goes the attorney for one of them i watched an interview the attorney for one of the officers i can't remember who it was i think i think his name was thomas lane is one of the officers he was only in his first week on the job so yeah. Um, obviously, you're not a lawyer. I'm not asking you a legal question here as to how mm-hmm. that would change the thing. But how does? But you know that really does feed into your argument about you know we've got to understand things from a police officers' perspective too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what do you make of the fact that some of the officers were in their first week and may, how that could have maybe tempered their judgment in the way that they acted in that situation in not preventing and not stopping Derek Chauvin from killing George Floyd? In that case, I would say that, um, once again, um, police officers face a lot of hardship and it is unfortunate for them. I would have said that it is unfortunate for them to be put in that situation in the first week of the job, but they should have had, I do believe they should have had at least some instinct that police officers should have gotten off his neck or at least tried to stop him and get him off or have seen that George Floyd was struggling for breath and he, there was a risk that he would have died from that. What the, what the, the police officer who was in, involved, um, who I keep getting his name, but you know, whatever he, he, what he, the fact that he, he was the one who put his neck, you know, knees on his George Floyd's neck, they should have at least have had some semblance of an idea that, you know, he shouldn't have been doing that. And they should have had some semblance of an idea that that's not the right protocol to follow. But at the same time, you know, they should, the situation should be assessed fairly. And I don't think in any way that the other three police officers should face exactly the same level of punishment as the police officer who, you know, killed George Floyd face, but they should still be held somewhat accountable or there should be at least some level of punishment for being involved because also they held him down. Um, they didn't stop the situation. And, you know, in, in an effort, they, they're involved, much like, you know, somebody who's involved in, you know, a gang crime. If you're there and you can see legally, if you're at a scene of a crime with the perpetrators, and you are aware of the crime happening and you could have in any way stopped the crime and you were like, you know, you were affiliated with the gang members, you too would be held legally accountable for the crime being perpetrated, committed. Um, especially if for say somebody was murdered in, I, I say somebody come breaks into a house and murders the people in the house and you're there in the getaway car, despite you not committing the murder, you are held accountable for that because you aided that crime from crime happening. So in that way, I would say it's only fair that the other police officers also face punishment, but obviously not to the same level as uh, the uh, you know main police officer involved. Precisely, and the three other officers, it's worth noting, they've all been charged with aiding and abetting murder. So you know they were there and were part yeah. of the action. So that's exactly that's exactly right as you outlined. Thank you for listening to Nonstop Politics. If you enjoyed, why not follow us on Instagram at Nonstop Politics? And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.